welcome to the Love Well Podcast. And uh, this week's, this episode this week, first one of the week, uh, is another, um, you know, Sunday on a Monday. And uh, so we're going to be looking at uh, some passages over the next few weeks together. Uh, we've started, uh, we're starting a new, a little new little series here uh, from the Gospel of John uh, called Who is Jesus? Um, and we're going to kind of look at him from his own, with his own words, right? Um, the Gospel of John is, uh, it's different, a little bit different from the other Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known, um, you know, they're Gospels that are, uh, they, they share a lot of content, right? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of um, crossover. They probably used a lot of the same sources. Mark was probably the earliest. Uh, Matthew and Luke probably used Mark along with uh, maybe another source that a lot of scholars call Q. And uh, so uh, those are known as the synoptic gospels. And then there's John. John's kind of out here uh, on his own. And, uh, and it's because uh, his, his gospel is different. It's got a totally different tone to it. It feels different. You read through it, and, uh, and it's just, um, yeah, there's just something different about the gospel of John. It's the latest gospel that was written. Um, John's, John's gospel also has this very clearly stated goal, right? In John chapter 20, uh, verses 30 and 31, he, he says that he's written this so that people will believe that, that Jesus is the Messiah. He wants, he wants people to understand that Jesus is who he said he was, that Jesus is who the early church says he was, that he was the Messiah to come, the, the one that would uh, come and save the, the people from their sins, that he was the one that all of the scriptures were pointing to. And uh, that he is the one that the people can trust, that, that the people can have their faith in, that they can believe in. And, uh, and so as a result of that, you know, this is kind of, you know, one of the first evangelistic tracks, so to speak, uh, that we have, right? I mean, this is, um, this is John making the argument, saying, hey, this is the guy to follow. This is the guy to... Um, order your life after. And as a result of that, John's gospel uh, is way more interested in Jesus's words. Um, it has huge, it's got the biggest passages of Jesus's teaching. Um, it's just tons and tons of his words flowing uh, throughout, throughout the gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, you know, really kind of center on Jesus's actions. What does Jesus do? And, uh, and you get snapshots, descriptions of, of Jesus's life. They feel much more like a, um, you know, maybe kind of a modern history, right? Uh, whereas John's gospel doesn't feel that way. It's, it's, uh, it's a collection of, of his teachings, uh, more or less. And, um, and so, uh, with kind of with that, uh, you know, John, John is very concerned that people understand who Jesus was. He wants them to know um, that Jesus was God, that Jesus 
is this God-man? This was, this was one of John's chief concerns. And as a result of that, what he's done is he's, he's worked in uh, seven statements by Jesus, uh, known as the I Am statements. And, um, and if you know a little bit about kind of the history of the people of God, this phrase, I am, uh, was an important one. Uh, back in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is being called uh, to lead the people out of Egypt, right? To lead them out of slavery into the promised land. He is, he's meeting with God and, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of whining all over the place and telling God all the reasons why God is wrong for picking him, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and at one point in that, in that conversation, Moses says, hey, you know, when I go to these people, they're going to know that I really know you. So what's your name? Can you tell me your name? And, uh, and God says, yeah, tell them I am who I am. So God's name uh, in Exodus 3 I guess kind of laid out as, as I am. And as a result of that, uh, whenever, you know, this, this idea uh, that, God, that God's name is I am, that little phrase uh, became sacred, right? Uh, you didn't really refer to yourself that way. Um, throughout the story of the people of God, you'll see things like in uh, Samuel's calling um, where... God is calling him, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel's response is, here am I, uh, not here I am. And, uh, and it's intentional, right? Um, and so you have, uh, you have to understand that when Jesus uh, begins to declare, I am, he is declaring something, he is saying something, and it really makes people mad. Uh, it, really, uh, it really gets people going. So, uh, this week, this week we we get rolling here uh, with the first one, and uh, and it's where Jesus says, "I am the bread of life." And this story uh, takes place in John chapter six, and uh, and it follows right on the heels of uh, arguably one of the most important miracles uh, that are. Uh, um, that are recorded. It's one of the miracles that, that finds itself in all four Gospels, uh, and that's uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, you know, we might look at that and go, you know, why is that, why is that so important? Well, it's important because what it does is, is it again connects Jesus back to Exodus. It connects him back to the story of the people of God coming out of slavery and into the promised land. Uh, because when they were wandering around in the wilderness, all of a sudden they got hungry and they're like, you know, they're whining, they're grumbling, they're complaining. And uh, so what does God do? God provides them bread from heaven. He provides them what's called manna. And um, he provides enough for them to eat every single day. And, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the good stuff. Like good Presbyterians, they, the, the kind of early on there, they start trying to gather extra. It rots. He's like, yo, you know, don't save any for a rainy day. It's always... It's always going to be there. You're going to have enough food. Uh, your, your provision will be taken care of. And so by the time the first century rolls around, you know, in Jesus' day and age, uh, manna kind of became shorthand for, uh, you know, 
God's blessing, God's provision. And, and so here we have in John chapter 6, Jesus performing this first miracle or this miracle of uh, feeding the 5,000. And, and it just ties right on back to that story. Here is, here is Jesus, you know, providing bread for hungry people. Um, and it was probably well more than 5,000 uh, because it's, it was 5,000 men plus women and children, right? So who knows how many there really were, uh, maybe in the upwards of, of, of fifteen to 20,000 people uh, that, that were fed that day. And uh, so, you know, this, is, th- this story is, is just important. And in verse 14, uh, he says, you know, it says, After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now that, uh, that statement comes out of uh, Deuteronomy, uh, where there was this, there's this whole conversation that, that, that takes place about a prophet who had come into the world like Moses, who would teach everybody, um, and, and he kind of was this, and it became a, a very important messianic passage by the first century, especially um, among the the Qumran community, uh, and uh, the, you know, which are known as the the Essenes, right? Uh, so they, this uh, this idea of him being the prophet was just a this was a this was a big deal, and and as a result of that, uh, it says they. Um, uh, in verse 15, uh, that they intended to make Jesus king by force. And so he withdrew to a mountain by himself. He kind of got out of there uh, because Jesus was was not going to be an earthly king in the way that the people thought uh, he should be. Right? They had some expectations about what uh, the, the Messiah was supposed to be. And he was like, nope, I'm out. And so uh, that evening, you know, after Jesus heads out to the mountain that evening, the disciples... They head to the other side of the lake. Uh, they head over to Capernaum, and in uh, that night, Jesus, uh, we have you know we have the miracle of him walking, walking on water, and uh, they were they were freaked out by that whole thing. Um, the next morning, the people start looking for Jesus, and they completely freak out because they can't find him. They you know you kind of get the sense that they were almost frantic, right? Verse 22, it says, The next day the crowd stayed on the opposite side of the lake, realized that only one boat had been there, and that Jesus hadn't entered it with his disciples, uh, but that they had gone away alone. And uh, so they, they start kind of freaking out. They're looking for things. They jump into some boats, um, and, uh, and they, they get over there. And, and so they, and they're, they're just kind of desperately looking for him. And so they find him, they find him in Capernaum, and that's where we pick up the story. It says, now when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. So they asked Him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. So what do we have going on here? What's, what's happening? Um, well, before we, we dive into that, you know, I, as, as, I was, as I've been studying and wrestling with, with this story, and, and this story continues on really through the end of chapter uh, 6, um, and, and we'll get there. But, you know, I want you to, <laughs> I want you to think of a time uh, maybe when your expectations weren't met, right? Um, when you had, you had expectations that were one thing and, and, and reality fell far, far short. When uh, I was selling cars for my dad, one of the things that he, uh, that he always, that he, that he said, um, one of the things that he said to me was, you know, you have to, you have to under promise and over deliver. Uh, it was basically kind of his way of talking about, uh, manage the expectations of, of the client, of of the person that you're, that you're selling this car to, right? Because if you, if you underpromise and overdeliver, they're going to be really happy because their expectations are going to be here, and reality is going to be here. Uh, when we first started working with our good friend Todd and, and um, you know buying our first house here in Michigan, and in subsequent uh, real estate transactions that we've that we've had with him. He says, you know, his his primary responsibility as a real estate agent is to manage expectations, and uh, and even even this year when uh, when our son broke his wrist and we went in and uh, you know the doctor comes in with the X-rays and he just gave us the absolute worst case scenario. Um, he was managing expectations, and so you know what our what our expectations are uh, oftentimes drives our perception of of a situation, and I think, in a very real way, uh, that's kind of what's happening here with Jesus. I think Jesus here, uh, in in a very real sense, is really trying to challenge their perception of of who He is and of what He is about and what He's going to do. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, um, and maybe this is just a me thing. I guess there's a really good chance that this is just a me thing. Um, But so often in my spiritual life, I have found myself uh, in the place of of these people, um, of the crowds that were following Jesus, that they had expectations of what He was going to do and how things were going to work. And so often... Uh, my expectations uh, fall short. So often, uh, I kind of walk away going, wow, that was disappointing, right? Um, Jesus really failed to meet my expectations. He was kind of disappointing. Now, I know we're not supposed to say things like that, right? Um, but let's let's look. Let's look at the story that leads Jesus to get to the place where he says, I am the bread of life. The first, 
he, he does this miracle where he feeds them. He, he meets this need for them. He does this amazing sign that connects all the way back to, to the story of Moses and how God provided for their every need in the wilderness. The people didn't need anything. Um, and, and so they come and they find him and, and they, they ask him a really simple question. When did you get here? When did you get here? I mean, that, and Jesus doesn't answer. Okay, disappointment number one. When did you get here? How hard would it have been for Jesus to be like, yo, I, I got here last night. I walked across the, the water. He didn't do that because he saw past the superficiality of it. And he's going right to the, right to the heart. He's going right to the heart. And he says, you're not looking for me because you saw a sign that I performed. You're coming to me because your bellies were filled. And isn't that, I think that's why so many of us, me included, uh, early on, especially, we come, we come to God, we come to Jesus. We, 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 we almost, it's almost like we see him as some sort of um, genie in the lamp. That if we pray, we, we, we say the right words, we say the magic incantations, then uh, we're going to get what we want. I mean, there is a whole wing of Christianity that is built on this premise, the prosperity gospel. You know, that says, if you have just enough faith, if you really, you know, do these things, then you, you are going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. God will give you uh, everything you want. Shoot, turn on late night TV and watch the televangelists. If you buy this holy water uh, for $50, then I guarantee you we'll get $200 back or whatever it is. I mean, it's just silly. But if we're really honest with ourselves... We're really honest with ourselves. Isn't, isn't that how many of us think? Right? We're very concerned about our bellies. We're very concerned about getting what we, what we want, what we think we deserve, what we think, how we think God is supposed to work on our behalf and what He's supposed to do for us. He's supposed to make our lives easier. He's supposed to do all these good things for us. Right? I mean, the Bible says... All things work out for those who believe. Well, I believe, and yet there's a lot of things that don't seem to work out. So what's up? What's up with that? And I think we have to be honest about that. I think we have to be honest with the reality that there are times when we kind of go, sorry, God, you disappointed me. Because here's the thing, we're not all that concerned about getting manna. We're not, we're not all that concerned about getting this, um, embracing the provision, the daily provision, the daily needing of our needs. needs. We don't look at that and go, ha, oh, that's a pretty amazing miracle uh, that, that we, don't, we don't need for much. No, we, we want... We want stuff. We want our desires met. That's, that's too often uh, where we're at. We are like these people. We, we, want to, we want the loaves and we want to have our fill. We want our bellies filled. Whatever that looks like. The darkest times of my walk with God are times when 
I have authentically and sincerely and desperately prayed for God to do something and He didn't do it the way I wanted Him to do it. And in those moments, my faith has struggled. It has hung on with a thread. And yet I come out of those um, with a deeper understanding that, yeah, you know, uh, my expectations were that God, God was going to do this thing that I wanted because, because I did something. I was authentic. I was sincere. I, I mustered up as much faith as I could. And God was going to do this thing that I wanted as though it was some sort of recipe. And, and so this story, you know, it, 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 challenges, it challenges that whole thing. It challenges that whole thing. Because God's blessing, I think what Jesus is getting at here is God's blessing and its heart is in the provision of our needs. Jesus is meeting our real needs. He's meeting, he's taking care of us at this deeper, more fundamental level. And so, you know, it's, it's these expectations that we have, that Jesus is a wish granter, a sign giver, and that's, and that's not it. You know, they say, uh, you know, we, we get down to this, um, and so Jesus says, um, you know, hey, you're looking for your fill in verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Right? They're, they're wanting to know, what are the religious duties? What are the, what are the, what's the recipe for me to get God to fill my belly, to give me this thing that I want, that I so desperately desire. And Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask, so he flips it, right? It's not about work, it's about trust, it's about belief. And so then in verse 30, they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? He's already done it right? I mean, he fed the 5,000. He fed these people to their fill to the point that they started chasing him down, wanting him to grab, grant their wishes. So they've already seen the sign, right? Back in verse 14, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come to the world and that they were going to make him king by force. They've already seen the sign. They've already seen the thing that he was going to do, but they want more. They want more. It's, it's like that story, that old joke, right? That I'm sure most of you have heard this. Um, but there was a great flood and there's a man sitting on his, on his roof um, as the water comes and, and he's praying. He's asking God to, to save him. And you know, a man comes by in a canoe. Hey, hey, do you, you know, jump in my canoe. Let's, let's go to safety. No, 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 says the man. I, God's going to save me. You know? A little while later, uh, somebody comes by as the water rises. Somebody comes by in a motorboat. Says, "Hey, jump on in. Got plenty of room. We'll give you a ride to safety." No, no, no. God's gonna, God's gonna save me. A little while later, the water's risen. Um, you know, to basically cover the house now, and, and and a helicopter comes by, drops a ladder. Hey, man, 
jump, climb up. We'll save you. We'll get you to safety. No, 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 says the man. I believe God will save me. The man drowns, gets to heaven. Says, God, I had faith. Why didn't you save me? Says, well, I sent you a canoe. I sent you a motorboat and I sent a helicopter. What more did you want? You know, and I think, I think in some ways this, this is kind of what's going on. They're, they're looking for signs. They're looking for all these things. And God, God's already done it. Jesus has already done it. He's already provided the sign. He's already said, hey, I can take care of your needs. I can provide for you. Right? And, and so Jesus says, truly, I tell you, verse 32, it's not Moses who's given you bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. Jesus saw it, or the people saw Jesus. They saw what he had done, and they still were not believing. They still demanded more from him. He had already given them this thing. And so they continue this conversation, and they go back and forth and back and forth. And finally... Uh, in verse 53, it's, it's almost like Jesus is like, all right, let me, let me get this as clear as I can get it for you. Eat me, right? <laughs> verse 53 says, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. He's like, okay, here's the deal. Get me in you is what he's saying, right? Jesus throughout John talks about how the Father is in him. He is one with the Father. The Father is giving him life. And Jesus says, you want life? You want this life? You want this bread eternal? Get me in you. It's not just enough to mirror me. It's not just enough um, to ask for these things. No, you need me in you. So we, you know, as, as we are walking through this life, you know, Jesus being the bread of life, how do we get this life? We take the life of Jesus in us. We need to figure out how do we get His life in our lives. Paul uh, talks about it being us being one with Christ, united with Christ. There is this union with Christ uh, that, that we need to pursue. And yeah, we do that by you know, trying to mirror the way Jesus lived. But it goes deeper than that. We, we really need to figure out how do we take His life into our life so that our, our lives are united with one another, so that our lives really, really do emulate His life. How do we live lives that, that are just so united with Him that when people look at us, they see Jesus? That's what's going on here. This is... And this is not, this, again, this is not the expectation the people had. This is oftentimes not our expectation, right? The gospel that gets sold so often to people is, you know, hey, 
believe in Jesus, all your sins are forgiven, clean slate, you're good to go. Hey, roses and puppies the rest of your life. No, man. No, the expectation is, is something totally different. Jesus is, is reorienting that. He's saying, no, my life in yours. Jesus' life. When we take Jesus' life into ours, we are taking in a life of self-sacrifice. We are taking in a life of serving. We are taking in a life of setting aside our rights for others. We are taking in our lives to be like one who washes the feet of someone who he knows is about to betray him. That, that's, that's what the gospel's calling us to. That, so when we talk about Jesus being the bread of life, when he says, I am the bread of life, what he means is life comes from him entering into us and how he is going to provide for our needs in a deep, deep way, but also how we, by taking him in, at this fundamental level, are going to be a people who live lives of radical self-sacrifice and service, even to the point of loving and caring for the one who would betray us, just like him. Love our neighbors and love our enemies. And when we start looking at it that way, if we're really honest with our American selves, man, Jesus is disappointing. Because that's, that is so often not the bill of goods that we've been sold. But when we so deeply identify with Jesus in this way, when we take Him in, we, we come to a point where we have to make a choice, right? The end of chapter 6 says, On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Right? They... they <laughs> expectations blown. Um, yeah, we're, we're really struggling with this, Jesus. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said, Does this offend you? What if you see the, the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus has known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that none can come to the Father, uh, can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. When we come face to face with the reality of what Jesus is calling us to, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love our enemies, to live lives of self-sacrifice with him so deeply united with us in this way, many of us have our expectations not met, and we turn and walk a different path. And Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know you are the Holy One of God. See, when we can get past, when we can get past our expectations of what we think Jesus is supposed to be, we can get to this place like Peter where we come to so desperately rely on this bread of life, on this, this deep abiding provision for our hearts and our needs that we look at him and say, you are the words of life. Where, where else can we go? You are the Holy One of God.
So, um, my challenge to you this week is is to just take a look. Where where have you experienced disappointment with God? Where have you experienced disappointment with Jesus? Sit in it. Deal with it. There are whole books. You know, the book of Lamentations is all about the people's disappointment with God. Their heartache, their heartbreak. They're lamenting. Why, God, haven't you done this? Why haven't you come sooner? Why haven't you responded? There are tons of psalms of people you know, who are crying out to God, who are, who are saying, you know, hey, you, you kind of you failed me here, God. Sit in it. Embrace it. Be honest about it. Yeah, you know what? Jesus, you didn't meet my expectation here. And when we do that, and we begin to look at reality, then we're able to move past uh, those, those times where we are just so deeply struggling with, with why God hasn't done the thing we wanted Him to do. And we can get to the place of seeing how He has taken care of us, how He has provided for our needs, how He really has been manna from heaven for us. And then... And then we get to that place. Where else can I go? You, you are the Holy One of God. Well, thanks. Thanks for uh, joining me uh, here for this, this episode of the Love Well podcast. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, not seeing, uh, not seeing a lot of questions and that's okay. Um, just want to encourage uh, you guys, uh, give me a follow on Twitter at Daniel M. Rose. Um, if you want to be a part of these kinds of conversations in real life, uh, you can come check out a missional community at acts13.net slash events. Love to have you uh, in person, uh, hanging out, talking uh, in community uh, about these passages. As always, uh, please consider subscribing to Love Well, uh, danielmrose.com. And uh, by doing so, uh, you'll get uh, the audio version of this dropped right into your inbox. Uh, and uh, anything that, that I write, I've been doing a lot more of uh, this re- you know, recording uh, lately, um, but the writing may kick back up again soon, and you'll get all of that for free uh, at danielmrose.com. You can subscribe there. Uh, and then the archive, the video archive of this message, uh, will be at uh, youtube.com slash danielrose. So I encourage you to to check those, those things out. And, um, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's what's happening. Uh, did have a question, uh, from Twitter. Uh, exactly who is he? Exactly who is Jesus? Man, that is a, that's a big, that's a, that's a big, big question. Uh, they're, they're tied. That's a huge question. Um, so stick around. Uh, first, I guess the first thing, the first way to answer it is who is he? He's the guy that, that kind of blows our expectations. Um, and, uh, you know, oftentimes when we have wrong expectations of him, uh, we're disappointed in him. Uh, but then, then we move past that and we realize uh, that there's way more to him uh, than, than, than our expectations even allow. So, uh, so keep, keep coming back and, uh, Let's let's keep working on it. Next next week, uh, our discussion from 
uh, who is Jesus, is, is going to be uh, I, where he says, I am the light of the world. So we'll take a look at that next week. Until then, love well, my friends. Love well, my friends.